Hey, listen, it's good to be back um, on the New York Times best-selling Apple podcast top 10 show slushy stop it's good to be here <laughs> this would be great for the uh just leave this in just leave all this in and let people have that few moments of you ever have you ever started a podcast and it wasn't at all what you expected and then you're like did, is this what i clicked on <laughs> like did, did i accidentally click something else or is this is this the this thing is I'm not the slushy on? stop you're looking for yeah exactly have you ever done that because this would be amazing it's true all of it. Slushy Stop is back. The haters said it wouldn't happen, but here we are. Slushy Stop is back. That's right. This is Nathan, joined once again by Alex and For Jake. For the haters. Do we have haters? Yeah, I mean, all those trolls on the internet that just don't like us and said that, no, they'll never come back, but boom, baby, here we are. Here we is, so, man. What if, what if we do have, like, a subreddit and none of us know? <laughs> <laughs> you There's know a bunch of memes and gifts be? being posted about us that we don't even <laughs> the, know about. Yeah, yeah they, like, they went through our Facebooks and, like, pulled out all these photos and made us into memes and none of us have any clue. <laughs> So, well, oh man, they're listening but right so now, and they're very insulted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone is like stomping their fist in anger and like howling to the gods that we have returned. Uh, such well, a great yeah, dude, image. It's, it's been a year. It is uh, over a year now. Uh, That's right. Well, man, like, almost exactly a year since the, our last episode came out, and it's been over a year since we've recorded one. So crazy. much has happened. That's right, baby daddy. I have nothing but gray hair now. I got six inches shorter. Um, started eating green beans. I made all that up. <laughs> Every time I go to Sonic, I think of you, Jake. That, That's that true. Warms my heart, Alex. Well, we didn't come here, though, to talk about Sonic and slushies and everything. We came here to talk about Star Wars. Star Wars. That's right. Wars. The whole reason we came back is uh, there's some new movie coming out. Turns out. Um, it's kind of important, I guess. End of an era, one might say. Something like that. So we have come back to finish what we started, because for those that may not know, we started talking about the Star Wars movies, episodes one through six. Had a little trivia where... Somebody was reigned the champion of Star Wars. I guarantee you, gonna, if, name names. if they're listening to this, they know about those episodes. I, d- <laughs> I have a feeling we're not. Well, excuse me for wanting to gloat, Alex. Okay. <laughs> we have a couple of people who have been waiting. They check every single day. Is there a new episode out? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in luck because we're back, starting with the uh, Force Awakens. The first of the newest Star Wars movies. And we're going to do things a little bit different. I mean, we're still going to touch on what we like and don't like about the movies individually. But we're also going to cover some other bigger topics around the movies and just this whole new era and everything. There's a lot to cover here. So uh, why don't we jump right on in, shall we, gentlemen? Well, also, let's give credit where credit is really due. That The Force Awakens... uh, 
gave birth to one of the greatest Star Wars memes in modern history. The Force needs five more minutes. <laughs> okay, that fell flat, so we can about? move on. <laughs> okay. So, so to go back, do a little history lesson, uh, as most people probably know, Star Wars was owned by George Lucas and Lucasfilm for quite a while. Uh, that's when, you know, episodes one through six were made. And then things went quiet for a little while until Disney came along out of seemingly nowhere and bought the rights to start the new saga. So before we get into, you know, our impressions of the movie, let's start by going down memory lane and touching on you know, how we felt about that news when it was revealed that Star Wars was coming back and made by none other than the mouse himself. I remember it was back in the fall of 2013. And uh, so I was, and I know that because I was taking an afternoon Spanish class in college. I was a senior in college. And uh, so this particular afternoon, I remember that I had a test or as native Spanish speakers would say, uh, una prueba. I had a prueba to take, and uh, I remember seeing the headlines that Disney had purchased Star Wars from George Lucas. And, like, the only, the, of course, the only thing in the whole entire world that I wanted to do was read every single article online about the purchase and what it meant. But instead, I went and took my Spanish test. So, all that to say, I do remember being very excited about it but because it, I think I knew that it meant that we were finally going to get some more feature-length films and probably a couple of spin-off shows and all the things that Disney does so well, except live-action versions of their classic cartoons. <clears throat> but that's beside the point. Um, but I was excited, and you know, I think Disney overall has handled the um, the brand and the franchise fairly well. You know, we all knew that they were going to exploit it. But really, could you exploit it more than George Lucas did? Um, no. So yeah, I, I, I was excited. and I think they've done a good job. I'm a little sick of Star Wars now. I hate to say, though, that's the one downside, is we've just been, we've just been inundated with so much content, and it's just everywhere, and I, I'm honestly just a little sick of it. I'm still happy to be doing this show. Don't get me wrong, but... Just in in my real life, although I do love the Mandalorian, I will and uh, I, I give him credit there that that that's phenomenal. Well, there's a twist for you. Alex is one of the haters, so there you go. Haters of what? No, I said I love the Mandalorian. <laughs> so yes, likewise, uh, when I heard the news about Disney acquiring Lucasfilm, uh, I had. A, mixture of emotions i was excited for more star wars but then also you know afraid that it would just get milked for everything it possibly could i mean at the same time from a business standpoint of course disney is has to make their money back they spent billions of dollars to acquire the franchise so like it's gonna happen you just have to accept it so uh it so honestly it could have been could have been worse but kind of i guess what eased my mind a little bit more it's when i started to see okay some of the talent they were bringing in especially to make you know the force awakens whether it was lawrence kasdan coming back to help write it 
uh, you know, the selection of J.J. Abrams to direct. I mean, they really, you know, they were checking off the boxes. And so I was going to at least give them the benefit of a doubt when the time came around. And spoilers, I was not really disappointed. Yeah, and I think I think bringing back the original cast too also went a long way um, to making me okay with it. Yeah, so when I first got the news, I was, I think, a freshman in college, and I was nervous, excited. It was like, yay, new Star Wars movies. You know, we've it's been almost ten years, like about time. Um, but I also just very specifically remember thinking, like, the first time I see Goofy in a Darth Vader costume in anything, like, um. No, no, just no. Um, so I, th- I think my my big concern was just that they would they would make it too much of a kids movie, which Star Wars is meant to be uh, in the first place. But I didn't want Star Wars to become you know like Disney Channel original movie you know style thing or anything where it's just super kid friendly and like overly kid friendly at least. Yeah, I didn't want a movie. Of you know about seventeen Gungans and their six Ooh. their six Ewok friends um, that go to Acto to save the Porgs or whatever like no <laughs> please please no um, so I was really nervous but yeah I mean at the same time it's like yeah dude more Star Wars movies like sweet I mean I remember everyone sending me messages on facebook or myspace or whatever was cool back then i don't remember um asking me about (laughs) asking me about my asking about my feelings on it because everyone from the time i was in elementary school knew you know much like anyone who listens to this show does you know i'm the resident fanboy here and yeah all through school that's what how people knew me like oh yeah that's the kid that likes star wars a lot so everyone was interested to hear my opinion and even (laughs) even after the movie came out um, yeah, still got a ton of that, and you know we'll get to it later. But my initial impressions were uh, very interesting, to to say the least, and definitely got better as time went on. Well, go ahead. I mean, unless someone else has anything else to say about the time leading up to the Force Awakens, let's go ahead and jump into our reactions to that movie and what we thought about it. Well, I remember leaving the theater on, you know, when opening night and everything, first possible showing I could get into. And I remember the day, like, leading up to going to the movies just being sort of surreal. Like, it didn't feel real. Like, I'm, I'm going to see a Star Wars movie tonight. Um, and, I mean, Episode 7 was also the first one that I was ever able to see at midnight. Um, I was never able to see any of the prequels at, you know, the midnight premiere or whatever. So, yeah, this was my first proper premiere or whatever for Star Wars. And, yeah, it just all felt very surreal. And I think that probably had a lot to do with it. But after seeing the movie the first time, you know, I was with a group of friends and everything. And everyone's, what did you think? What did you think? What did you think? And all I could say was, I don't know. I legitimately didn't know how I felt about it. I mean, I didn't dislike it by any means, but I wasn't sure yet if I liked it either. I think I was so 
I had, I had been so nervous and I, I, I was like trying to keep myself so restrained mm-hmm. that I think I went into the movie just looking for flaws and wasn't able to properly enjoy it. But I saw it again the next morning and coming out of it that time, I think I texted a few people like, I've decided I, I love this movie. And then, yeah, I went on to see it a total of five times and cried every single time as soon as that opening scroll started. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it definitely, the more I watched it, the more I liked it. And, I mean, that's still the case now. If I put it on right now, as soon as Han says, Chewie, we're home, like, I'm going to get a little misty-eyed. And it's been four years since that movie came out I've seen that scene however many times but it's still you know I think the the fan service that they did include is just so well done that it just it gets me right where it counts we wouldn't expect anything less from you Jake (laughs) you are the resident fanboy of the group so uh what does that make me what does that make me am I the resident um I think I'm the resident complainer um. <laughs> like I said, you're the hater, right? Well, you, the you, you do have a journalism background. It is in your nature to be critical. That's true. Um, that's very true. Good call. I did not. I did not. I did not love this movie. I I had high expectations. I expected more than a almost complete ripoff of A New Hope. I expected more than for R2-D2, one of the greatest characters of all time, to be replaced by a little ball. Um, <laughs> that literally makes, makes beach ball sounds. <laughs> Which is yeah, excellent. Like, I think that's excellent. Because every single totally. time I see that scene and it makes that noise of like, that's definitely a, or a, yeah, it's definitely a kickball. But yeah, yes. I just thought like it's it. definitely a toy. It's a toy. It, like Disney is blatantly putting toys on screen <laughs> at this point. That's like that's all that that is. It's like, hey, you probably already have an R two D two toy, but I bet you don't have one of these. Bing. Um, You're not I wrong. It been, you are not wrong. But, it, <laughs> but that app controlled BB eight Spiro thing is pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it could. The movie could have been a lot worse. Obviously. Um, oh, it could have been sure. like it could have been like Last Jedi. Hey, don't get ahead of yourself now. That's <laughs> true. Um, so yeah, I mean, my expectations were high. I left the. Th- I never forget. I uh, I was not. I was not yet married, so I was with my. She was. We weren't even engaged yet. That's funny. So we were just dating at the time, <laughs> and we left the theater. And it, you know, as we're walking through the parking lot, she looked at me. And she said, "Well, what did you think?" And of course, at that point, I was still reeling from the death of Han Solo. And uh, I was going to say, you're a little biased considering your your love for Han Solo, or at least yes. what, episode five Han Solo. Oh, for all Han Solos, I would not put my. I'm not a fanboy for the franchise, but I make no mistake about the fact that I love Han Solo. I, I love Harrison Ford. And while I know that Harrison Ford really wanted out of these movies and that he demanded that Han Solo be killed off, I still think killing him off unceremoniously in the most ridiculous way ever on a totally unsafe, random catwalk over a chasm with no railings (laughs) whatsoever 
I was just really not happy. I wanted, I really wanted to see Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford on screen together for something, for some reason. And I felt a little cheated because you walk away from that movie going, well, now we'll never get that. Um, and I thought, if anything, that was a pretty big missed opportunity. The fact that Mark Hamill isn't even in the movie, uh, I thought felt a little felt a little disingenuous because you know you basically you we, the, what we all want to know is what's up with Luke Skywalker? Where is Luke? And you know to drag us along for the whole movie, and then at the end to be like, oh well, there he was. Gotta be gotta come back in two years to figure out what's going to happen next. I think it looked good. It did a lot of things right. But, yeah, I wouldn't say... It, it's not in my top three Star Wars movies. Uh, nor should it be. Mm-hmm. There there are three options for your top three movies, and they are A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And anyone that disagrees <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> now, Force Awakens being your number four, as it is for me, perfectly acceptable. If it's your number no, it's five... Number four. If you put it number five after Rogue One or in my opinion, Phantom Menace, totally acceptable. Even a number six. But if you put Force no, Awakens my, anywhere how many lower number than that, do you I have, think it's Jake? a problem. <laughs> my, for, me, it, for me, it's at number five after the originals and Revenge of the Sith. Okay, five um, is acceptable. I think if it's any lower than five, that's it's a problem. That's yeah. where the problems occur. I just, they're, they're so, and I, obviously I want to get to Nate, but there's just, there were so many things about it that that don't make any sense, and I've I've gone back and watched it like three times now, four times, and there's still things about it that don't make any sense. I don't get the New Republic. Why do we not see them? Why are the good guys still a ragtag bunch, like fighting uphill against this super organized, super well funded antagonist organization? How do the bad guys always have all the money and resources in this universe? It's been 30 years since the destruction of the second Death Star. Why is Poe flying a ship that's like made out of several different parts? I don't give a rip about C-3PO's red arm. Why is R2-D2 only in it for a few seconds? Just like, there are just so many things about it. And I get that they crammed a lot into the movie. But there were just a lot of aspects of it that I felt were very unclear and that storytelling wise I think were sacrificed for the sake of spectacle mm-hmm. yeah I when, I when I saw it like I said I was not disappointed by it you know they, they did a good job they didn't do anything bad except for maybe yeah the whole Han Solo thing like I definitely had mixed feelings about it when that happened. But overall, I mean, there were definitely a lot of things to like in the movie. Yes, it follows a lot of the same story beats as A New Hope and rips off a lot of things from other movies. But again, like we were saying, considering how much money Disney spent on this franchise, like they're not going to create some... uh, artsy Star Wars movie that could, you know, flop, like, they're going to play it safe, especially with this first one. And they did, which was a detriment to the movie, but, again, it 
it was it was enjoyable to me there are a lot of great individual pieces in this it's just mm-hmm. that when you kind of put them all together they they don't fit together so well you know you have some gaps here and there and whatnot it's it's not seamless like i mean i still like one of the one of the scenes that i love the most in this is uh when they're when uh they're getting attacked after chatting with uh maz at her at the cantina and everything and you have the republic coming in on their x-wings and you've got the music swelling and just like that to me is like classic star wars right there because you've got just such a great like melodramatic moment happening between the music and the action and all that happening like it's great it was a classic thing but then you have your other moments sprinkled in there too where yeah you're kind of getting forced to go along with these new characters without any real reason to necessarily like them too much yet i mean granted it's the first movie so like you're still learning you're you're still getting to know them but i guess that was my biggest issue is you don't have you don't have a lot of time to get to know them too well you're just constantly moving from like new place to new place new thing mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. you never really get to simmer and kind of absorb who these people are and this you know new universe that we're in because it is 30 years later and a lot has changed so uh, this your comment made me think of this. Do you guys think that it would have benefited the movie to add some familiar planets as well? You know, there are some, uh, definitely some some tropes in this movie that are all too familiar and that, you know, we know so well. But, you know, like you said, you're just bouncing around from new planet to new planet, and a lot of them bear you know, remarkable similarities to planets that we know. And as much as I do love this movie, I still, even now, don't quite understand why Jakku isn't just Tatooine. I mean, I yeah. I get it to an extent because the Battle of Jakku happened and that was something they were setting up. And, you know, having, having that battle over Tatooine, like, probably would create some other problems, but whatever. But what is the Battle of Jakku? What what even is that? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, that it it's. I guess you have to be one of one of me to to really dig into that. But it was it was the aftermath trilogy of novels by Chuck Wendig details all of that, and the Battle of Jakku gotcha. happens in there, and it's shortly after the Battle of Endor, and it's just what's left of the Empire trying to take one last stab at it. And actually, you you fight in the Battle of Jakku in the Battlefront two. Um, storyline so yeah i think the reason for including that new planet was so that you can make this new history for it which you know tatooine already has plenty of plenty of its own history so you don't really need to add anything to it jakku was very much like let's create this planet so that we can have somewhere to shove star destroyers into the ground and it'll look cool let's have we need another desert planet that's that's what we really need in this universe I mean, yes, because nothing is more beautiful than just a bunch of sand. Yeah. I mean, you're you're it right. It gets everywhere. You're right, but I, you're right, but I do under I do understand Jakku to an extent. Do I think they could have just made it Tatooine and made that work? Absolutely. But Jack Jakku, I can kind of understand. But you know, Takodana, where Maz Kanata's castle is, like, why is that not just Yavin Four or whatever? Or yeah. you know, Star Killer yeah. Base? Like, why didn't I get it? Like. 
so I just recently learned like the history of Starkiller Base, and it actually ha- does have a lot of cool background, if I'm understanding it correctly. Basically, they ter- took the planet of Ilum, which is where Jedi apprentices the went. Yeah, they the went to they, where they went to make their lightsabers, and that's how Starkiller Base, you know, has all of its power. You know, it whatever sucks the light out of the sun's in these systems yeah, or whatever why, to power it or whatever. why would they but, just not say that in the film? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, but There I wasn't mean, enough time because we got to jump around and <laughs> go here yeah. and do shenanigans with Han Solo and giant man-eating space slug things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I think that that's such a cool detail. Like, yeah, Starkiller Base is powered by the crystals that Padawans used to use in their you know, when building their lightsabers, like, that's awesome. Why would you not put that in the movie? So, and, like, if you're not <laughs> going to put that in the movie, why not just make the planet Hoth and, like, they just built a giant cannon on Hoth? Um, and I think the most glaring problem is, you know, it kind of goes off of what both of you said. You know, why don't we see the New Republic? You know, we see it get destroyed, but, like, we see Hosnian Prime get destroyed. We've never seen Hosnian Prime. It looks just like Curazant, and... If you're not going to give us the opportunity to meet any of these citizens of the New Republic, you know, any of these government people or anything like that, and not give us the chance to build a, uh, you know, any feelings toward any of them, don't destroy the planet that we haven't seen. Like, if you had destroyed Curazant, you wouldn't have had to do all that because we've already seen Curazant so much. So why not just make Hosnian Prime Curazant to begin with? Why move the capital of the New Republic away from the old capital of the old Republic? Like, it, that, that doesn't make much sense to me. Well, clearly, again, with Disney trying to play it safe, it seems like they were trying to distance themselves as much as possible from the prequels because, I mean, it's common knowledge that the prequels aren't, aren't looked on super fondly by a lot of the fan base. I mean, yes, you have plenty of people that do enjoy them because maybe that's what they grew up with and things but there's a large part that has disdain for them so anything that references the prequels like they don't want to put in this movie like it's the first star wars movie forever like we're gonna follow a formula and make sure this puppy makes plenty of money for sure but i mean to to add to that point though like if you want to ignore the prequels what better way than to just destroy them and Curazon is like a, it has such a presence in the prequels. It is, you know, arguably like the cent- central location of all three prequels. That you could honestly destroy that planet and use that as some symbolism for like we're wiping the slate. Like this is something different from that. Like we're going back to the roots of what Star Wars is, which is deserts and snow and planets that apparently only have one biome across the entire planet. We've never yeah. seen a planet that has both a rainforest and a desert. It's one or the other. <clears throat> so I, I, I think they could have, they, that, that's my biggest thing. Like if I don't, when Hosnian prime is destroyed, even being me and loving this movie as much as I do, like I just don't care. You know, we get the the focus oh. on that one girl um, whose name I don't remember. She shows up in one of the one of the the novels at some point, but like she's not named. And so when she dies, it's just like, uh, okay, they just blew up five planets that we've never seen before. Like, I'm sure that but sucks, that. but I don't. I just oh. don't know. 
I'll also say that like sitting there watching the movie, I'm not even sure that it's that clear what just happened. I remember sitting there and it's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna fire the giant planet thing, and then they shoot it, and then for some reason, it turns into like four or five laser streams instead of one concentrated laser stream, and it's red instead of green. So like, I don't know, it's not a Death Star clearly, but then like four or five different streams come out and destroys different planets, and I remember sitting there like, oh, well. Okay, I, I I don't know I don't know what that was, but like yeah. they're all gone yeah, now. You compare but... that to a New Hope, and you have you know you have another planet that you don't necessarily know about in Alderaan, but you care about it because Leia yeah. is there, and you know about the attachment that she has to it and how much that's going to devastate her. Exactly. When that gets blown up, we don't have any connection at all with. Uh, Hosnian Prime and everything, yeah, so they either needed all. to set that up earlier in the movie, when instead of doing all the other shenanigans, or use an uh, something that can be easily identified, like a Coruscant, that there's at least some history with, blow that up, so that at least we feel something. Because yeah, I agree. When that happens, I'm just like, oh, okay, and a thing happened. To J.J. Abrams' credit, he has come out like. I think I saw it like either this past week or the week before. You know, he's he's doing the press for episode nine, and he did talk about the decision to do that the way that he did. And the original plan was to show, you know, Hosnian Prime and give us an attachment to, I assume, that female character so that when it happens, like, we do feel something. But the way that he explained it was basically, like, it's... It, I, didn't, I didn't really get what he was saying, but something about, like... You know, the human mind can't really comprehend, like, five billion people just died. So while it is this grand, huge, big deal, um, we're not really going to comprehend it anyway. So don't, when you only have limited screen time, don't dedicate that much of it to that. And plus, you know, you're, you, you do have the Disney executives involved who aren't going to want the first movie of their new trilogy focusing on five billion people dying like they want nostalgia and feel good and yeah Star Wars again but I, I would I would counter with I would counter JJ with also the fact that like it's and this seems to me to be like storytelling 101 I think it was Kurt Vonnegut who said when you're writing every single word needs to be advancing the story or the plot and so, in A New Hope, we have the Star Destroyer destroying um, Alderaan. And, like, yeah, we yes, we do have some connection to it because of Leia, but you know what the point of that is? It's because these characters, this whole universe is brand new to us, and it's showing us that Darth Vader and Tarkin are cold-blooded killers. That that whole that the whole reason that that's in the film is because we're brand new to everything as the audience, and that is that exists to show us the fact that these guys got what they wanted, and they're still cold-blooded killers. So we go, oh, like they're they're really really bad. Well, it's but more at than this it. point. In the saga, we know that the bad guys are bad. Like we don't need gimmicks like blowing up planets. Like, we needed that in A New Hope because we were new to it. 
by this point, like we know, we know who these characters are. We know that they're bad. I just feel like it just didn't serve a purpose. Because yeah, kind of to your point, also in A New Hope, I mean, because Alderaan blows up. I mean, that was that was the goal that Obi Wan and Luke and Han were. You know, that was mm-hmm. where they were headed and everything. <laughs> And now all of a sudden that's taken out of the equation, so it leaves some mystery of like, well, now what are they going to do? Like, because they literally show up in the midst of the debris of Alderaan, and left, you know, with without the plan. Like the plan is gone now. So what do you yeah. do at that point? Like, it leaves a lot of intrigue. It keeps you reeled in on the action. Whereas when planets blow up in The Force Awakens, just like, okay, yep, a thing happened. Like yeah. it has no weight, yeah. no effect that's a good on point. the story. The, the really, it also leads to them getting captured. That's what ultimately leads to Millennium Falcon being captured in A New Hope is that they're going to Alderaan and then it's been blown up, so they get captured and like it really. That's key to the to the plot of the movie. And in this case, it was it was just so obviously like, hmm, you know, it'd be hilarious if like Starkiller Base like blew some planets because that's what happens in A New Hope. It just doesn't really serve a purpose. I think the purpose was just to show, like, hey, the First Order have a big gun, too. And it's an even bigger gun. So I I gotta give you that one. I say, but the thing also is, like, the... Once again, I, I remember leaving the theater almost feeling, like, exhausted by the fact that, like, the... Again, and I don't want to harp on this, but I'm going to anyway. But, like, like, why are the bad guys... Why do the bad guys always have the upper hand? Like, I was really... I was so excited about going into this movie and seeing, like, what does the New Republic look like? What does it look like in a Star Wars universe where the good guys have control? Because we have never seen that. I want to see the universe in which... The good guys have the upper hand. The good guys have the better technology. The good guys have the bigger guns. The good guys have the nicer ships. I thought that was going to be super cool and really interesting to see. And I and I, you leave the theater going like, oh, it's like I how I'm exhausted by this. Like I'm exhausted by the the good guys being the David in this David and Goliath story. It it just was. It was such a letdown to me to see that like 30 years have gone by and apparently the 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 New Republic is totally inept and incapable of forming anything like a legitimate military and government. And I, I hear the point that like supposedly that's what some of the destruction of those planets was to represent, that they just like... They just destroyed the New Republic and all that stuff, but I, I'm not really that interested in all that because I think it was just lazy. It was just—it's easier to write the bad guys having the upper hand. That's what happened. Yeah, because I mean, what would be? Because it would be very interesting to have a, the third—the third trilogy, where how does the new regime, the new government? keep from repeating the mistakes of the past like how do they keep from letting you know the corruption come through and you know break the wheel to steal uh, the game of thrones terms yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i mean exactly it is game of thrones it it could have been game of thrones that's a really good point and instead instead, instead what we get is what we got and 
some mysterious weird ghost halo uh, like hollow hologram is that the right word? Yeah. Holy, is that the yeah, word? They're, they're holograms, yeah. Some weird ghostly giant hologram dude with no background and no history is apparently like funding this weird pseudo neo-Nazi space thing. So not to like get into The Last Jedi too much since that's going to be our next episode, but... Uh, I'm going to go on to say that while when I initially watched The Force Awakens, I, like I said, I had mixed feelings, but I did generally enjoy it. Apparently, it's been a few years since I've watched it, or at least I hadn't really watched it since The Last Jedi came out. And I have to admit, it kind of tarnished this movie for me because, you know, one of the big things in The Force Awakens is it sets up so many different things like Snoke yeah. and mm-hmm. there's like there's all these little plot threads that you know had me excited it's like oh well what's that gonna mean or what's that's yeah. gonna what, what's that gonna turn out to be and then the Last Jedi comes along and just completely ignores or writes off all those plot threads so but like I said that's a whole other thing it's just that unfortunately I can't enjoy the movie as much now because when things happen, I'm just like, oh, well, ultimately that doesn't matter. So, Yeah. After seeing this movie, I was definitely one of the people that, like, I I didn't have a Snoke theory, per se, you know, like everyone else on the internet did, but I was so, so invested and was like, what if he is Plagueis? I was hoping it was going to be the young Link from uh, Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been awesome. Um, Master Skywalker. But I think too many of them. I think that's that's something that this movie does do really well, which I'm going to directly counter something. You know, Alex, you pointed out like, you know, we see these new characters that I don't have any reason to care about. I was on the opposite end. I loved most of these characters from the start. Poe being the exception, just because he's seemingly killed off in the first, like, five minutes. But, I mean, Finn, like, from the start, I loved his character. The whole idea of a stormtrooper leaving to join the Rebellion is cool to me. And Rey is essentially Luke all over again, but she's, like, super powerful for some reason, and apparently that's going to be a big part of Episode Nine. so... You know, they're finally going to explain that, and I'm really excited about it. But I loved all these characters, Snoke included. And it was like, you know, is he another Palpatine? Is he Plagueis? Is he someone totally new? Did Palpatine know about him? There's just all this mystery. And I think that was something they did really well. But for me, the best part of this movie is still Kylo Ren. Like, I love his character so much, especially (laughs) in this movie. Like, all the little things, every little bitty thing about him. Like, I want to be Vader, but I'm just not, and I'm going to try so hard to be. And, you know, the, you know, I feel it again, the pull to the light, like that conflict is so deeply ingrained in, in him, and I love that. And, you know, the, of course, the outbursts, like, we've never, <laughs> we've never seen an, and a Star Wars villain lose their composure like that like it is in the nature of a sith to you know just be full of anger and rage and hate like that's what makes them you know a sith but we've never seen one 
show it in that way, and so that was something so fresh and new. And, like, even down to the lightsaber, like, you know, you see him ignite it, and, like, the hilt is all, you know, looks like it's electrical taped together and just sort of haphazardly thrown together, and the blade is all, like, you know, staticky and doesn't look stable, and it's like, there's so many cool elements to that character that I have to give J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan all of the props in the world for creating him, because... He's at this point one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever, um, and the mask just looks awesome. So I was sold on him from the start, and then we see him in the movie, and it's like, yep, lives up to the hype at least for me. Yeah, I, I didn't. I definitely did not mean to sound like I didn't like the, the new characters because I do think that Kylo Ren is one of the best Star Wars characters of all time probably third best Star Wars villain behind Palpatine and Vader. I would put him above Darth Maul. I would put him above Dooku. I would put him above uh, Boba Fett, Jango Fett. Like, definitely, definitely, he's in the trifecta of greatest Star Wars villains. So, I, no, no, I, I do love I do love Kylo Ren. I, I felt like we still have not gotten really everything that we could get from him. I remember there was a lot of talk and I saw a lot of things about the Knights of Ren prior to this movie coming out, but then like that's never really explained and I still don't really know what that means and who those people are. Like I I think his character is still pretty mysterious. I I, I like Poe a lot as well. I think Poe was I think Kylo Ren and then Poe are the uh, definitely my two favorite new characters. I could I could leave Finn uh, as quickly as I find him. <laughs> I think he's obnoxious and annoying, and I've yet to figure out why he's even still alive. I think he serves his purpose after he breaks Poe out of jail, whatever, out of uh, First Order jail. I think like to me, Finn could have died like right then on that on, in the in the crash and it it would have been fine. Like, his character would have served his purpose. But Poe is just a phenomenal new character. Uh, And then, of course, I think Ray's really great, too. And I think what I'm suffering from is exactly... And I have never actually thought about it or given it a, a name or identified it, but I'm suffering from the same thing that Nate is in that as I look back at it, I'm looking... Now I look at Force Awakens through the lens of Last Jedi, and I was really excited about Rey, and I thought that was a great new character. And then, of course, Last Jedi basically pulls the rug out from so much of what our hopes for that character are. So maybe you know, maybe they'll um, maybe they'll redeem that in Episode Nine. But yeah, I think Rey is great, and Daisy Ridley was phenomenal, and you know all this talk. Uh, all this nonsense about the fact that she was a woman and like the lead character, the lead force sensitive character was going to be a woman. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. She was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of speaking about Ray though, Ray and Finn, one thing that always kind of bothered me, or at least especially bothered me going back to it is they almost tried to, it seemed like they were trying to pull a bait and switch with Finn. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, He's gonna be. He's gonna fight uh, Kylo Ren, and we're gonna find out that oh, like he magically has force powers, and he's gonna be the new main guy. But then oh no, 
he gets cut down and it's this girl what we didn't see that coming at all yeah no it's like plainly obvious it's, it's really weird I the think, way they, they treat all that I think it works really well for the trailers but then yeah when you get into the movie it's like of course she's gonna fight him like when when Finn picks up the lightsaber it's kind of like what are what are you gonna do like you're not yeah. force sensitive so <laughs> yeah I'll, I, I'll give you that like of course she's like she gets knocked out of course she's gonna come right back like Finn's not going to you know he might be more familiar with weapons but like there are multiple times in this movie that he, he, he mentions a blaster. Like, he's not familiar with normal hand-to-hand combat, or at least it doesn't seem like it. So it's like, what are you going to do against a trained, you know, Sith or whatever it is that Kylo is supposed to be? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think He's that, no melee specialist, considering that cool stormtrooper takes him out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that that moment... You know, if, you're, if you've just seen the trailers... And then you see that scene, sure. But if you've watched the rest of the movie, it doesn't really land right. <laughs> like, oh, the girl that can do a Jedi mind trick isn't going to be the one that has the lightsaber fight. Like, what? Also, the fact that, like, Finn... Finn persuades Han and Chewie to take him to Starkiller Base. And then we find out that, like, he's a janitor or something... She's like, that was a really stupid gimmick. That was just a really, really stupid little thing to try to Don't get me started on Phasma, though, because, you know, all the promos and things like that made it look like she was going to be this awesome, like, uh, commander of the Stormtroopers and everything. Yeah, they had freaking Brienne playing her and everything. And she does nothing in this movie. Nothing at all. But she looks really cool. And supposedly her armor is built from the uh, remnants of a Naboo starfighter or star cruiser, you know, like the the Nubian one from episode one, which is really, really cool. But it would be way more cool if someone would say that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I f- it's just I guess that's one of the perks of being me you know I, I totally understand <laughs> what what you guys are saying uh, I totally get you know I totally understand why you guys aren't as good as me but I, I, I totally get that and even me you know watching watching force awakens now a lot of that excitement about Snoke is gone because of what you know ultimately happens in last Jedi but I guess I, I'm just so deeply ingrained in all of it that it's really easy for me to just let it go and I can still get excited about the stuff and I do take the time to do the research outside of it that there are so many tiny little things in Force Awakens that if you don't know you're not going to catch but when you know it just makes them so much more exciting so before we get get too close to the end here I guess I don't know. Any 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 final thoughts about I guess the things that you do like or don't like about this movie? Because I have I guess like one final one final uh, prompt for us here. I like the power struggle. I really like the power struggle between General Hux and Kylo Ren, and how they're they're clearly jockeying for um, Snoke's uh, not affection but respect. And how they're both like they're jostling for leadership in what it what feels very much like a startup 
<laughs> like criminal mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. It's like it's un it's un like Snoke's definitely like the decrepit old guy funding this thing who's looking for <laughs> who looking for the talent to lead it. And so like Hux and Kylo Ren are both very aware that there's a power vacuum and they're each trying to fill it. And I thought that was really a lot of fun to watch those two characters battle one another politically for leadership in the first order. And I thought that made that made what otherwise could have been a pretty dull part of the movie really interesting. And it's something yes. that we've not seen before. And I think it's cool that they oh, basically sure. they set them up to be the antithesis of Tarkin and Vader as well. Whereas, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, Tarkin and Vader are they're sort of equally balanced. You know, Tarkin has all of the um, maybe political power. Vader seems to have more military powder powder power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> military power. <laughs> but but they both like very clearly like respect one another and that's why you have that scene in uh, a new hope you know the the famous i find your lack of faith disturbing you know force choke scene and tarkin is the one that's like vader release him and darth yeah. vader listens to him darth vader listens to no one but he listens to tarkin because there's that mutual respect and so then when you get to force awakens and you have the exact opposite of that where Hux and Kylo do not respect one another at all, and it's it's a constant power struggle between them. I think is a really cool play on that relationship. Yeah, because clearly you can see where, like in the originals, like Darth Vader was kind of on his own level. Uh, like nobody, nobody in their right mind said anything bad to Darth Vader. I mean, he literally murders people in Empire Strikes Back for being insubordinate, and. So yeah, you contrast that with Kylo in The Force Awakens, and you have blatant insubordination from Hux, and Kylo does nothing about it. I mean, he just kind of cowers, and so yeah, you can see just such a such an interesting, like you said, uh, relationship that's just the complete opposite of what you see in the original trilogy, and it, it was very refreshing. And in the original movies, and even to some degree... In the prequels, everybody is like blindly loyal to the cause or the company. So especially in the in the Galactic Empire, you have all of these officers who seem to be just absolutely content to serve serve out their role and do their duty. And like there seems to be absolutely zero personal ambition on anyone's part except for that one guy in New Hope who's talking about how the Empire should leverage the Death Star and, you know, this is the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest you use it. There's that one guy, and he's the only one who seems like personally ambitious and trying to make a name for himself. Otherwise, like, it's it's a pretty boring organization. Like, the Galactic Empire seems like a pretty sweet place to work. And I think we said that before. Because, like, there seems to be, like, no backbiting, no political jockeying. Everybody, like, they're wearing their perfectly pressed suits. Nobody fights. They all get along. Bounty hunters, we don't need them. Yes, sir, you're right. You know, it's like... And so it's like... it. And by contrast, you have the First Order, which seems like it's in complete chaos. And it's like, you get this feeling that there's no stability whatsoever at the top rank. Um, And I think that... That was a really cool and 
again, another really interesting thing that you leave the theater going like, oof, like something cool is going to happen here that The Last Jedi just unfortunately totally whiffs. So I have a question for you guys because you both mentioned um, Han Solo's death. I want to know if it were up to the two of you, how would you have had him die? Because Harrison Ford wanted to die in Empire, and he, yes. he was brought back, and so with this one, it was like, alright, I'll come back, but he has to die. Now, yeah. before we get into it, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Han Solo's death was You done. don't even know what I'm going to say. I know, but, but, you, I, but, but you already voiced your... No, you already voiced your issues with the, with the way that he, that he died so unceremoniously and stuff. That's the part I'm disagreeing with, because he was, he was killed by his son, which is a big deal, and Kylo Ren's a great character, and... You, you, as you mentioned, he's killed on a sketchy catwalk with no handrails, no guardrails, no nothing. How many great characters have died around catwalks with giant chasms? We got Qui-Gon Jinn. Say what you will about him. Qui-Gon Jinn is a cool character. Mace Windu's thrown out a window, which, again, mm-hmm. say what you will about him, is Samuel L. Jackson as a Jedi. That's a cool idea. I love it. You've got Palpatine is thrown down a chasm. Darth Maul is cut in half and thrown down a chasm. So Han Solo's in pretty good company as far as being thrown down a chasm. And also, that's it's just kind of a Star Wars thing. Like you go out onto a catwalk. There's no handrails. Something bad's gonna happen. It's predictable, but that's okay because that's what's supposed to happen in Star Wars. I want, if I'm writing this movie and Harrison Ford has said Han Solo has to die, I would 100% kill Han Solo off in the driver's seat of the Millennium Falcon. And he goes down in some incredible blaze of glory. And maybe it's him... It's like maybe maybe you put Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon in the rev- you put him in the in the X-wing the last X-wing standing in a trench run type situation. You could do some nice mirroring back to a New Hope where instead of, you know, in New Hope where obviously Han Solo comes out of nowhere saves the day and rescues Luke, this time you put Han Solo alone in the Millennium Falcon sacrificing himself in order to do the thing that has to be done in order to blow up Starkiller base. And the Han, to me, Han, Solo, Han Solo's fate needed to be tied to the Millennium Falcon's fate. And I get why Disney didn't do that, because the Millennium Falcon is arguably the most iconic ship from this universe, and it probably sells bukus of toys. <laughs> but I would, have, I would have tied their fates together. Because to me, that's how... That's how Han Solo's character is so tied to the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon is a character in these movies. I think you they have to be connected. Also, did we have to have freaking Chewbacca witness Han Solo's death? Because that <laughs> was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, and which is another reason that I think his death is great. Because Chewie's reaction is pure agony, and it's like... 
it happens and it hurts, but then Chewie, and it's not his normal roar. It's clearly like a pained, like almost whine. And that just like, the knife's already there and it just twists the crap out of it. It's like, Chewie. And so I think the way they killed him is great. Now, I will say, had they killed him in the Millennium Falcon, definitely would have been... Like that would have worked well, extremely well, because you're right. Those like, in in the the groupings of Star Wars characters, like you know, R two and three PO always go together. Han, Chewie, mm-hmm. and the Falcon, the three of them mm-hmm. all go together. But I will also say, if you have Han die in the pilot seat of the Falcon, flying the Falcon, I do think that kind of contradicts how good of a pilot he's supposed to be. Because Han Solo does not make mistakes when flying. Oh, but I think it's not a mistake. I think that's the it's point. A, it's a sacrifice. He, it's, he it's does an, it deliberately. It's, it's an intentional, like, there is no way to stop this thing except me, Han Solo, driving this Millennium Falcon up the butt crack of Starkiller Base and just like, <laughs> and just so, like. So Han Solo and the Millennium state. Falcon go on a kamikaze mission. And yeah, but again, but again, I, I think, but it's it's a mirror of a new hope. It's a mirror of Luke in the X-wing, like about to be sh- blown into oblivion. But he's like he's staying the course because it has to be done. Except this time, because Luke is off doing whatever it is he's doing, there's no one there to save Han Solo, so Han dies, and that's another thing that Luke has to deal with. That is like yeah, is like. You know, you I, I would play them against each other, and so then like now Luke is even more of a douchebag for disappearing because he wasn't there for Han the way Han was there for him. I do like that, but instead we get a really weird close up of Harrison Ford's face. That's a very beautiful close up yeah. of Harrison Ford's face, and he dies exactly as he should if they weren't going to do the option that you said. <laughs> Yeah, that whole, for me, that whole exchange is just really weird because I know they were trying to go for something big and dramatic, but I don't, just something about the way that it's shot, like it just, it doesn't come off right to me. It's never really settled with me, with me well. So I hate to say it, but I have to, I have to lean more towards Alex. Like you can still do something similar, but maybe Kylo Ren, like just mortally wounds Han Solo, but Han still gets away somehow. So, like, he's going to die. So at least if he's going to die, he may as well go out, like, saving the day because that's what Han Solo does. So so even better, what if if Kylo Ren is in his, like, TIE fighter thing and it's a complete mirror? So he's tracking the Millennium Falcon the way Vader was tracking Luke, where that was father about to shoot son. Now you turn it around, you have son shooting father. Gah! That would be cool. Yeah. I'm available. I do like that idea. Iger. <laughs> we are but, all available. But as I said, but as I said, Han Solo is still in pretty good company with Qui-Gon and Darth Maul and is. Palpatine. You're and You're not wrong. Absolutely not wrong. I, so I'm just saying like, so, I, I, it just, it, I do not like seeing anyone else behind the wheel of the Millennium Falcon, even when it was Lando. Like, in Lando, like, he was just a placeholder in um, Return of the Jedi. Like, 
it's just I, I don't I, that just it's a bee in my bonnet. So I guess kind of on a similar note, one of the last things I wanted us to talk about or, or touch on is if 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 Bob Iger and uh, Lucasfilm Kathleen Kathy Kennedy had come to you saying, "Hey, we're going to create the next Star Wars movie. Like we want to bring this franchise back." What would you do that J.J. Abrams and the rest of them didn't do? <laughs> oh, how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> do I need to set a timer for right, you, let's, Alex? Let's let's just list like each of us say one, maybe two things. Well, you know what I you I, I'm gonna I'm just going to use what I just said. I, the Han. The, the ending of the Han Solo character is how is what I would have done differently. I would have had Thrawn, I would have had Thrawn be the main villain. Um, as much as I do as much as I do love what they've done with him since they've brought him back into canon and put him you know being alive before a new hope and stuff or being present before a new hope. I still just something about him in live action just sounds awesome and I think he is a character that would resonate really well with people and he's Thrawn is very cool because he's a villain that's not a villain he's a very likable character and not in the sense of like you know he's my favorite bad guy like no like you it's when you're reading the at least the new Thrawn books I often find myself rooting for him which is weird. Yeah, like you, you never, at least me. Like I never go. I, I couldn't watch, you know, uh, the original trilogy or anything set in that time, and ever root for the Empire to beat the Rebels. But Thrawn is such a cool and likable character that you do root for him from time to time. So I think that would have been a cool thing. I still definitely would have included Kylo Ren if I had been brilliant enough to th- think of it. And like having the two of them interact would have been incredible because Thrawn is so composed and Kylo Ren is such the opposite which if you're listening to this and you don't know who Thrawn is just go to Wikipedia like as soon as you're done with this and read about Thrawn because he's the coolest character in the world but yeah I definitely would have put him in in some capacity so for me it's kind of on a similar note because I guess for those who aren't familiar with Thrawn he's actually a character that that existed in what's now labeled the Legends universe. Basically, it's that expanded universe that existed back before Disney bought the rights to Lucasfilm. Because when they did, they basically said that, hey, if it's not in the six movies or the Clone Wars TV show, like, it's not canon anymore. You know, we're starting over from scratch. Which, I understand why they did that. They wanted to be able to infuse some new creativity into the the saga and uh, you know give the writers free reign to do whatever they wanted to with the series but I feel like they could have done a better job of reincorporating a lot of those things back into the universe because I mean I look at somebody like Marvel Mm -hmm. and they do take a lot of liberties at times with the things that they do but they're still very respectful and they still at least pull from the comics and that original source material. And I, I guess I would have liked that a little bit more with uh, these sequels. I mean, whether it's, I mean, granted, I'll admit I'm biased. Like I'm a big fan of Kyle Katarn. 
uh, from the Jedi Knight games, like nothing would have made me happier than to see him or even if it's a gender-bent version of him running around doing things. Because I know that's the other challenge, too, is a lot of that uh, original source material took place, you know, right after Endor. So you have your younger Han, Luke, and Leia, which you weren't going to have with these movies, so you have to work with that. But, I mean, there's just so many great things that had already been already been established that like I said like the the half the work's already been done there's ways that you could have done uh homages or whatever to it creatively and so as a, as a longtime fan that kind of disappointed me that there wasn't more of that mm-hmm. but I again I understand why they did what they did though I, I think I would have I, I definitely agree with you I think I also would have done more with the original cast specifically just I would have explored and we get a we get a weirdly tiny amount of exposition about what these primary characters have been up to for three decades like we 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 get a it really kind of in my opinion a shameful lack of any kind of insight into what the last 30 years have been like I would have I would have definitely spent a lot more time like following. I would have changed the whole premise of the film, and I would have had, I would have had a very strong, very powerful New Republic, sort of in reaction to the Empire. I would have had this very strong Central Republic, and Leia being, uh, you know, a big time authority figure in the bureaucracy and the government. I would have had Luke running the new Jedi Academy on Yavin, like from the uh, from the Kalkatarn games. I've always thought that was really cool. And then I you could have still you you could have still done some of the stuff that they were doing in this film. Obviously you have to have an antagonist. But I, I don't know that I I just would have gone about it so differently. And Maybe I would have spent too much time on the original cast and too much time like with the Luke, Leia, and Han characters, because I see they're so obviously like passing the baton off to a new generation of actors and characters in the movies. But yeah, I, I, there, there's just a lot that I think I would have definitely changed, and, and now especially with the loss of Carrie Fisher, like it's just so, so heartbreaking that like. We never got Han, Luke, and Leia on screen together, and we never will. Yeah, that's very true. I definitely would have loved to have seen that, and I know Mark Hamill as well has said that um, he's disappointed that that will will not ever happen. Yeah, I think the last time that we've seen them on screen together was at the end of Return of the Jedi. And in some ways, that's fitting because that's the end of real Star Wars. But in some ways it's also tragic because like we could have seen it, we could have had it, but but we we won't and we never will. Too, and, too uh, far. The, this Force Awakens is real Star Wars. This is a great movie. Okay, this is a good movie. <laughs> May, maybe not it's great, but it's a good movie. I mean real Star Wars, when I say that, I mean pre-Disney. Like That's, that's what I mean. That's, I don't mean that's, it's not that's good. That's better. Yeah, I mean, like, DNA-wise, pure like a thoroughbred Star Wars film. Like, it's now been mixed with Disney DNA. It, it, so, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just... Um, yeah. 
Are you trying to say it's tainted, Alex? I, I wouldn't say tainted. Uh, it's just uh, <laughs> now it's more of a uh, it's more of a uh, it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's a it's a hybrid now. Yeah, that's a good that's a good word. Like it's part Disney, and like you can't separate the Disneyfication of the of the brand now and of the stories. Like Disney is in the DNA of Star Wars now. It's there forever. It's in the blood, and you, you can't change that. Where before, we 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 had that demarcation of like we had purebred Star Wars. And uh, and we don't have that anymore. And that's you know whatever it is, what it is. I think that's a lot of the reason that they did essentially make the Force Awakens a remake of A New Hope, though, is because they were trying to push off that that Disney Star Wars idea and it was like they they really wanted to push the narrative that like no it's just star wars it's not disney star wars it's just star wars and that's why we're going to remake essentially remake a new hope they they played it safe so that we would get something familiar cuz i mean imagine if they had just started off with last jedi like yeah it last jedi was divisive enough as it is i think it probably would have been even more so if they'd started with that because at least well i I mean even i I mean i'm right there with you like i'm not as we'll get into in the next episode i don't love last jedi but i can see some redeeming factors in that movie and a lot of them are because of what they built with the force awakens well i i think you're right but you know the thing about it is like you can't a lot of times you, you you're in that universe so if you're Disney, like you, part of it is you don't even see what makes you Disney. And so to me, I look at that and I go, like, I think you're right, but we have a female protagonist, we have a black main character, we have a Hispanic main character on the on the whatever they call themselves, the Resistance. We have more Leia than Luke or Han. We have Maz who is a female character and all that's good. All of that's really good. Don't get me wrong. I think star Wars suffered, um, when it was still solely in the hands of Lucasfilm from a lack of diversity. And that was like, that's, they should, they're not, they should be proud of that. That, that was, that was, you know, you go back and watch them now in 2019, you go, whoof, like mm-hmm. literally everyone's white. Yeah, there's um, a lot of white people. <laughs> like it's it's only white people. Uh, and I don't, you know, I'm not begrudging George Lucas or whatever. Like it, it is what it is. It's the past. I, I don't care. I don't, that's not what I, all I think about when I watch it. But to their credit, you know, Disney did that. But, so the, the counterpoint to that, but, but the First Order is all evil white guys. It's just like... Disney, like, come I don't, on. I don't know if that's a Disney thing so much as it is a 2015 to, I mean, 2019 even thing. I think that's. Well, I just, just think a, they they clearly been they've clearly spent put a lot of energy into making the good guys very diverse, and they're just like, oh yeah, well, uh, the bad guys can all be like white guys, like that's whatever. And I just think like if it's it's to me it's comically Disney, and again I'm not. I don't care. I think Star Wars benefits from the diversity, just as like the real world benefits 
from inclusion of diversity and diverse opinions and people and cult, like all of that's great. It's just comically Disney to go to make such effort to prove how good and diverse and like like pro pro everyone we are and then to be so lazy and be like yeah but what about the bad guys i don't know what like white guys with english accents like <laughs> hey phasma though and finn started as a bad guy yeah. sort of not sort willingly of. though <laughs> that's true he was indoctrinated from a young age phasma is an english white woman <laughs> <laughs> but a very cool one Super cool. But you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, like, belabor the point, And I don't want to, certainly don't want to, like, I just think it's comical. It's funny yeah. to me how Disney, like, you can see where all this effort went in to make the protagonists, you know, like, representative of all these different, but it's like, yeah. And then the, the they just basically took the Empire template, copied and pasted it for the First Order, and that's what we got. Yeah. But again, safe. So, yeah, whatever. Which, yeah. That is the, the key word of the episode for The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's very true. That's probably a good way to end it. It's like it's it's so safe. And as we know from Marvel, you're only as good as your villain. So. Yeah. And I think playing it safe was not a bad call in this case. Because it had been 10 years and, you know, they did want to wash their mouths of the wash their hands of the the prequels so it, yeah I, mean, I get it i definitely get it and i'm not you're right and if i if it were my money i would probably feel the same way and that's what i can say for disney if it were my billion plus dollars four billion I would have yeah i would have gone into it just hoping to recoup as much as that as possible oh yeah when you're talking about that much it, money, you're you're taking calculated risks at that point. Mm-hmm. But I also, yeah, but I also think that that exact attitude and approach is exemplary of the post-thoroughbred Star Wars that we have. I think that's yeah. that's ex- exemplary in itself of what the franchise has turned into. Because I just don't think when George Lucas made A New Hope, he was not thinking like, I'll make a pretty safe film and I can recoup most of the money that I'm having to spend. Like, he made a film that James Earl Jones didn't want his name attached to. (laughs) Same with Alec Guinness. Yeah, because like, they thought that it was going to be a disaster. Yeah. And, um... And that's the only way to hit a home run, man. Like, the only way to hit it out of the park is to swing really hard. And Sometimes uh, you strike out. Sometimes yeah. you knock it out of the park. And then, you know, the counterpoint would be solo. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a movie for another time. So, yeah, I think that's probably going to be best place to to end this one at now of course we do have a few more episodes coming down the line we've got a handful of movies to cover uh speaking of solo you want to do that one next right alex oh my god no (laughs) but i cannot wait to talk about rogue one and i'm being genuine i'm not being facetious like i I cannot wait to talk about rogue one because i freaking love that movie 
So there you go. You have to look forward to us talking about The Last Jedi, Rogue One, maybe, maybe not Solo, and then finally... Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Two weeks, guys. <laughs> Two weeks. Rise. Two weeks. Rise. You all can talk about Solo. I still have not seen it. It is December 2019. I watched the first 20-something minutes of it, and I had enough. Well, maybe that'll be our gimmick for the episode. You know, Jake and I will talk about it and try to persuade you to like it and, and actually watch it. <laughs> Hashtag not my Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw Daenerys, I was just like, no, 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 no. Well, all right, guys. All right, fellas. Yeah. Well, it's been been fun uh, getting back into this again. It has. Uh, Glad to be back. Glad to talk to you guys for some more more Star Wars coming soon. Can we talk about the Mandalorian at some point? Uh, We might have to. We'll see. We'll see if we can squeeze that in somewhere. That'll be a bonus episode. Because I also I also have a bee in my bonnet about people calling it Baby Yoda. I have I had an argument at Thanksgiving. That it, is, it is not Yoda. No, Yoda I've, is dead. I've gotten defensive about it as well, so I'm right there with you. We'll get into Mandalorian at some point. Okay. Sounds like we have to. So, uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. It's been fun, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. May the holidays be with you.